Well, good morning. Aren't you uh, excited to worship the Lord together today? Glad that you chose to worship with us. My name is uh, John, and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here at this great church and uh, enjoyed worshiping with you this morning. It was awesome just to, uh, to celebrate the risen Lord. Because Jesus is alive, it changes everything. Because he lives, as the old song says, because he lives, we will also live. God is good, and all the time, I'm going to invite you to find your way to Jonah, right? We are in our last week of our series entitled Risk, uh, Dare to Embrace the Heart of God. And we are just really walking through guess maybe uh, to go along with the theme of Jonah, we're taking a deep dive into the book of Jonah, and uh, we are on the last chapter this morning, and so I am uh, excited about that. I'm also excited about Fallapalooza. Are you guys excited about that? Yeah. Kids, are you excited about it? Yeah. Kids, are you still awake? Are you excited about it? All right, we've got a few. Uh, I'm excited about it. I am excited to give out a piece of candy, then eat a piece of candy, then give out a piece of candy, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Eat one every time you give one. How many of you, that's your pattern? Until you're sick, and then it's like, I'm done. So we are, as I said, in week five, our last uh, message on this series, Risk. And so let me just catch you up in case you didn't, uh, if you weren't, weren't here, or if you're like me, you kind of forgot what we talked about last week anyways. Uh, we are, we finished last week on the last verse of chapter number three. But as many of you are somewhat probably familiar, I think the, stoner, uh, the story of Jonah, I don't think he was a stoner, that's what I just said, but I think that maybe he was, I don't know. He was in the fish three days, who knows what he was doing in there, right? Welcome to family worship. You never know what, what the preacher's going to say. I don't even know. So, chapter 1, let's get back to the story. A lot of us are familiar with the story of Jonah, let me say it right. And uh, God comes to Jonah and says, go to Nineveh. Their wickedness has come up before me. In other words, they stink to high heaven. That's basically what he says. And Jonah says, no, I'm going in the opposite direction. He goes 2,000 miles in the wrong direction. Like he heads to Spain instead of going to Iraq. If you're going to think of modern day uh, where he would have gone, all right? He goes really in that known period of time as far away from Iraq as he could. He's trying to go to Spain. God sends a storm as he's on the boat. Remember, and Jonah's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Not like he's Jesus. He's just trying to avoid it. In fact, it says he was avoiding fleeing the presence of God. So God sends a storm. They end up rolling the dice, you remember, God makes sure that the dice rolls and lands on Jonah. They throw Jonah overboard. And what happens as soon as, you know, he hits the water? What happens to the storm? It ceased. It stops. It's kind of like this might be a picture of Christ when he says, peace, be still. And it just the storms stop. And if Jonah was left to himself in the See, what would have happened to Jonah? He would have died. But God sent what? God sent a big fish, and the big fish swallows Jonah. It seems like he, for three days, is 
Well, we talked about what maybe he was doing in the fish three days, but we don't really know. He's just, some people think he died in the, in the fish for three days. But it seems like in the chapter there that Jonah, after three days, decides maybe I'll pray. And he prays for deliverance. I don't believe that he ever prayed for repentance, but he did pray, get me out. He's like, I want out of the fish, right? So then God speaks to the fish. What does God tell the fish to do? Spit Jonah out, or what was the word we said you couldn't use in church, but we did use in church? Vomit, all right? Now, I don't know how you picture that. Some of you picture, you know, the fish like coming right up to the dry land and like, oh, just put him out there. I tend to think like it's 100, 200 yards and like he just projectiles, right? Like, as parents, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids are just like, right? Okay, enough of that talk. Chapter 3, God comes to Jonah and again the second time says, go to Nineveh, preach the message I'll tell you to preach. Jonah goes quickly to Nineveh. In English, it's, you know, he gives eight-word message. It seems like from the text, he just kind of walks from one side of the city to the other and basically says, God's judgment is coming in 40 days. I don't think he gives a lot of information on what to do about God's judgment because I don't think Jonah cares what happens. In fact, I think from the text, Jonah would just soon God destroy the people. But he didn't want to be back in a fish, so he walks through the city and says, hey, in 40 days, judgment is coming. Remember the story we read last week that the people, the entire city, and the king, they repent. When they repent, God relents. That's the end of chapter 3, that they repent and God relents. And I wish the story ended there. I wish there wasn't a chapter 4 in Jonah. Because if this were a Disney movie, there would be like verse 11 of chapter 3 would say, and they lived happily ever after. And there would be a scene with the king giving Jonah the key to the city. Wouldn't that be awesome? Could we just finish the story like that and be done? I wish it ended that way. Because as I said often during this series, when I read the book of Jonah and I think of the life of Jonah, the attitude that Jonah had, I often see myself. That oftentimes in my own life, I act just like Jonah does. So I wish that the story ended in chapter 3. But it doesn't. So let's read. What we're going to do this morning is I'm going to read the entire chapter here, chapter 4. And then we're going to kind of walk back through it. And we'll just have three points of application. All right. So Jonah chapter 4. We're going to read all of it. Ready? But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? And, and therefore, this is why I fled. I fled to Tarshish, for I know you are gracious, you're merciful, you're slow to anger, you're abundant in loving kindness. And really this description is what we find in Exodus chapter 34. The first time God reveals his character was to Moses, and it's pretty much this. Jonah knows that about him. You're one who relents from doing harm, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. 
It is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah doesn't answer. Verse 5, So Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what God will become, what he might... He might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. That as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. The sun beat on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It's better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, You've had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? and much livestock. And you'll notice chapter 4 ends with a question but no answer. There's no Jonah part 2 and there should be, right? We don't know how the story ends. But what I want to do is again walk back through this kind of um, verse by verse and kind of explain a few things and see, see what application might be for us today. So verse 1 says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. What displeased Jonah? Well, what had just taken place? In chapter 3, verse 5, remember, he preached and they believed. And then verse number 9, and verse 8 and 9, they repented. And then verse 10, God relented. That's what Jonah is angry about, that they believed, they repented, God relented. And, And so in the Young's literal translation of this verse, number 1, it gives us a little more understanding of the heart of Jonah. Here, here's what the literal translation is. It is grievous unto Jonah, a great evil. He is displeased at it. The Hebrew language would actually use these words. It was exceedingly evil to Jonah. It seems like from the text that Jonah thinks God is evil for saving these people. Like it's easy just to say, well, I was displeased, I was angry. But it seems like from the actual Hebrew language, Jonah goes a step farther. That it's not just that he's angry, that he would even go as far to say, God is evil for saving these people. That's the heart of Jonah. Again, we see that in verse number two, because he said, this is why I fled. Remember, God, I told you before I fled in the boat that I didn't want to go to those people because I knew that if they repented, you would relent. I knew that you were gracious and loving and kind and merciful. And, And doesn't that just seem so wrong that the prophet of God would not want to go to the people God told him to go to because he knew that God was good? I don't want to go. And the more you dig into this story, the more you realize that Jonah was not who he said he was. Remember what he told them? I fear God. If we truly fear God, it leads to obedience. He was not obedient. And in verse 3, he says, I would rather die than see these people come to the Lord. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? 
I would rather die. And, and the truth is, I'm going to assume the best of everybody in here today. I don't think any of you have ever said that. I hope not. But again, the scripture is a mirror. When we look into the scripture, we should, it reflects who we are. I think in my own life, there are times that although I've never voiced those things, that maybe my actions have revealed that about me. And, and just to be honest with you today, I'm going to assume that if there's been times in my life that my actions have revealed that about my heart, that probably you are there too. That's, that's what we all, as we look into Scripture, there always has to be some personal reflection. Is there some areas in my life that, that Jonah, that I'm Jonah? And God asked the question. Verse 4. Well, Jonah, should you be angry? And, and you know when you don't want to answer, like Jonah, the, the answer Jonah would say is, no, I don't have the right to be angry. That's the right answer, correct? So what does Jonah choose not to do? Not answer the question. He plead the fifth. Verse 5. So Jonah went out in the city, sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Now, I, I thought since today is family worship that maybe we could illustrate this a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to ask uh, Reed Witzel if he would come up to the stage, all right? Where you at? Give, we can give Reed a hand, all right? So, I got this great prop for Reed to sit in, all right? Even got you an umbrella, Reed. And I want to reveal to you, Reed, how good I am. All right, you can sit down, please. All right, let me make sure this is on. All right, we're good. Number seven? Yeah, we are. All right. I'll be honest with you, this scares me to, to hand him the microphone. It's like he looks, look, look how innocent he looks. Should I give him the microphone? I don't know. All right. Can I trust you? All right. Sure I can. Let, let me share something before we get, so he's not in character yet. You know, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, right? And so Miss Allison, our children's director, she always has the kids write these notes uh, to me. And some of them are so good. Like Savannah, five things I love about my pastor. He's funny. He's smart. He's the best pastor. Thank you, Savannah. He's crazy. He's welcoming. George Guajardo says he's nice. He's a great pastor. He likes me. He's a great friend. And he let me have two boxes of donuts. George, I remember that. Right? Thumbs up. He's embarrassed now. All right. And then Christian, he's generous. He's helpful. Uh, he can teach me very well. Uh, he loves people. And he is smart. Good job, Christian. Parker says I'm smart, tells us about the Bible. He's our pastor. He's really funny. Good job, Parker. He always says, is that my donut? Okay. Which is true. Every Sunday, he's eating a strawberry twist. And I always ask him if I can have it. He's yet to share it with me. So, Emily says, he loves God. He's nice. He's fun. He's silly. He's kind. Good job, Emily. She gets me. Now, I have an issue with this one. 
It's Kaylin Campos. He's crazy, playful, likes to pick on me, ornery. But number one, he's old. The staff kids. All right, Opal says I'm funny, kind, crazy, good friend, and smart. Good job, Opal. Now, we get to write, read. Hmm, do you remember what you wrote, Reed? Okay. He's kind of funny. He's strong in his faith. All right, that's a good one. Good job. He talks about Jesus. And here's the one I have an issue with. He thinks he's more funny than he is. You, you got anything to add to that? You got a microphone? No? <laughs> and then number five, et cetera. I don't even know. I couldn't I, think of anything else. You couldn't think of anything else? You couldn't think of anything good to say, I guess. All right. So, back to the story of Jonah, all right? I just had to, you know, get back at you for saying that, things about me. You got, you got some glasses? All right. He's, he's chilling. All right. So, here we go. Now, I told Reed... You need to improvise if you want, which is a little reason I'm scared of the microphone and everything. All right. So what do we say? Let's look at verse number five again. So Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city, and there he made for himself a shelter. Is your shelter good? You like it? All right. Set under the shade till he might see what will become of the city. And based on what we know about Jonah from the text here, is that Jonah's heart was, he was hoping that as he's watching, you guys are the city, right? He, you, Jonah, bad guy, you're thinking and hoping as you look over the city of people, you want all of them to be judged by God. You want all of them, all right, I know it's family worship, but he wants all of the people to die. What he's wanting is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah when God rained judgment on fire. That's, what, that's why Jonah is up here on the side of the hill Wanting God to judge the people. Interesting. Verse number six. The Lord God prepared a plant. All right, so you need a plant, right? All right, so he's sitting there on the side of the hill um, because I'm God and so good, right? I have a plant, all right? <laughs> What do you think, Jonah? Good? All right. Let's see if it'll stand. I don't think so. All right, we'll prop it up. Is that good? All right, very good. All right, so back to the story. Verse 6, the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might shade for his head to deliver him. See, now I think as I picked Reed to be up here, even though he said I'm not as funny as I think I am, I'm showing great mercy and grace to him, Right? Right? Even though you said bad things about me. They're not that bad. What's that? They're not that bad. Oh, did you hear that? All right. It's working. It's working. All right. So Jonah was very grateful for this wonderful plant that I spent so much time preparing. So I got to ask you, Jonah. Pretend like I'm God today. I know this is hard. Do you like the plant that I made for you? Yes. you have anything about the plant you'd like to say? 
Thank you. Oh, very good. His parents have taught him well. Thank you. Now, we don't really get a lot of information between 6 and verse 7, but what we do understand between the different times is it became nighttime, and Jonah goes to sleep. Uh, all right. watching. <laughs> I, I got in my notes that he should snore. I was just curious what it was going to sound like. Very good. I, I'm curious. Does this sound more like your mom or dad when they're sleeping? My dad. Your dad. All right. Okay. I was hoping he would say Julie, but that's all right. You sure it wasn't your mom? Uh, did your mom tell you not to say it was her? Uh, she does kind of snore, but... Oh. <laughs> She does kind of snore. I knew I could get it. All right. Verse 7. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, so it damaged the plant. Let's see if I can damage this. And it withered. All right. No more plant for you. And everyone says, so I don't, I'm not going to feel that bad for you. And it happened, verse 8, when the sun arose. God prepared a vehement east wind. Again, he's in Iraq right now. It's hot. And the sun beat on Jonah's head. So they grew faint. Are you hot, Jonah? You hot? Uh-huh. Then he wished death for himself. It's better for me to die than to live. And Jonah said, it's better for me to die than to live. This is the second time that Jonah has said this in the text. Verse number 9. Then God said to Jonah. So Jonah, let's act this out. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, angry enough to die. You sure about that? Yes. But you didn't do anything to build the plant. I did. All right, well, let's keep reading. Verse 10. The Lord said, Jonah, you've had pity on the plant, which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and it perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left in much livestock. In other words, God is asking Jonah, Jonah, should I have compassion on these 120,000 people? You can clap for him, that's all right. Did Jonah answer the question? Did our actor answer the question? He exit like stage left, right? I'm done. Let's get to the heart of the question. God asked Jonah, should I not have compassion on these 120,000 people? who don't know the left and right. Jonah, you are more compassionate 
about the plant than you are these people. You're more concerned about your comfort than your calling. And Jonah, shouldn't I have compassion? Now, scholars would uh, debate on what the hundred or who the 120,000 people represent. Kind of two options, really. One would be that, as you see in Scripture, most often when there is a number given to a crowd, it would be the men were counted, not the women. So again, you've probably heard when Jesus fed the 5,000, it said that there were 5,000 men, which probably meant there was upwards of 20,000 people there, counting the women and the children. So some would say that the 120,000 may represent the men of the city, which is how you'd come up with the number potentially of 500,000 to a million people. So God may be asking Jonah, there's a million people out here, should I not have compassion on them? This would roughly uh, depict for us the city of Fort Worth, 750,000 to a million people. God is asking Jonah, you showed more compassion for the plant than the people, and shouldn't I have compassion on them? Other scholars would say that the 120,000 who don't know the left from the right may be indicating specifically that God is talking about small children. That God is even doubling down on this, that these are 120,000 small children who don't know right from wrong yet. Shouldn't I at least have compassion and mercy on these kids? And yet, Jonah does what? Doesn't answer. I think Jonah obviously knew the right answer. But I think also Jonah knew what he wanted to happen too. So the story ends. And I wonder sometimes why the story ends without us knowing Jonah's answer. And I wonder if maybe it's because, so if there is a verse 12 of chapter number 4, that you, as a follower of Jesus, could answer it for yourself. Like, I wish, verse 12 said this, I wish Jonah would have said, yes, you're right, God, forgive me for having misplaced passions. Help me be passionate about pursuing people. Wouldn't that have been a great ending to the story? Finally, Jonah gets it, and he repents, and he says, I'm sorry, God, I want to pursue people. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, then we would have to answer the question ourselves. It is easy for us as Americans to be comfortable and not compassionate. That's just natural. That's just normal. That's just who we are. It's our humanity. But what God is asking for us as followers of Jesus is will we have compassion for those who don't know him? Or do they not deserve God's grace and mercy? And we may not like be as bold as Jonah to say, I'd rather die than those people come to Jesus. But maybe our actions do say that. Three things to conclude this book this morning. Three statements. Number one, God forgave Jonah and he will forgive you. I love the fact that God is gracious and merciful and kind and the Bible says, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our, confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us 
and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as Stefan mentioned earlier, I think there's two people, two types of people in the room this morning. Some of you have never experienced the forgiveness of God that leads to salvation. And what you need to do, as she already clearly stated, admit, admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for you, and confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And what I want you to know this morning is that if you will call out to Jesus and place your faith in him, he will forgive you. But a lot of us in the room this morning, that was a decision we made years ago. And our prayer may be this morning, God, I need to confess that there are some misplaced passions in my life. Me, like Jonah, I've been more passionate or compassionate over things instead of people. My comfort, the things I want. But there's, this is the good news. If we confess, he will forgive. Aren't you thankful for that? We can have second chance after second chance. The story ends God continuing to come after Jonah, the prophet of God, and calling him back to himself. Jonah, isn't it, isn't it right for me to have compassion for these people? And, and what, what God is trying to do is draw the heart of Jonah back to himself. Number two. God worked in Jonah, he will work in you. My life verse, Philippians 1.6, be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it or perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's still working on me, and I'm thankful for that. And God's never going to stop working on me, and I'm thankful for that. And God's still working on you, and I'm thankful for that, too. Number three, God sent Jonah, and he is sending you. One of the last things Jesus said before he left the earth, Matthew 28, go. Go make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. And you see, I think for a lot of us, and I think there's seasons. If if I'm going to be completely transparent with you, there's some times in my life where I'm compassionate for lost people. I'm thinking about them. I'm praying for them. I'm looking for conversations. And there's times in my life when I'm more worried about my own things. Right? Are you, are you guys that way too? Can we just be honest with each other? Like, it, it's just, it's, you know, it's like the roller coaster. It's some ups and downs. So my challenge for you this morning is pretty simple. is just to, to self-evaluate. If God were to ask you the question... Like he asked Jonah, are you going to be like Jonah, exit stage left without answering? Or would you be willing to say, God, yeah, there's some things in my life that I need to repent of. There's some things in my life that are not in a line with you. And God, I want to, I want to serve you. I want to have passion for people who don't know you. The 120,000. A couple months ago, I, I told you that based on statistics and based on our demographic. There's 140,000 people within a five-mile radius of our church who, if statistics are right, don't know Jesus. 140,000. And as if God is asking Hallmark today, should I not have more compassion 
for the 140,000 than whatever you're passionate about? And that's the question. I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And, and again, it's just it's an opportunity this morning for you to evaluate. We're, we're not going to invite the band up this morning because I want them to have an opportunity just to respond, for, as all of us do. And, and I want to challenge you this morning, especially those of you maybe as families in here this morning, to, to just get up where you're at right now and just come down and pray. Just get up right now and come and pray and, and seek God. And Maybe you're still in the reflective stage. God, I don't know. I don't know my heart. I, I want you to reveal it. Maybe this morning it's, yes, I, I have misplaced passions in my life and I need to pursue people. I need to put God first. But what a great opportunity during family worship just to bring your family down, just to bring your family down and come and pray. So I want to encourage you right now, just come pray. Have an opportunity to seek God.